Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Trust you had a fabulous weekend. We certainly did with the Word of God, the gathering together of the saints, Saturday and Sunday. And it's just getting better and better and better, as we say, gooder and gooder and gooder. And I uh, want to begin our broadcast on this Tuesday morning with a familiar passage out of the book of Exodus, chapter 14. And I'm going to read out of Exodus 14, beginning in verse 13. <clears throat> this is a word for the early bird that catches the worm, Okay. So, and Moses said unto the people, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians, whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. That they go forward, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. All right, there we have the rod again in this wonderful year, the 11th day of the first month, which is the 11th month in the Hebrew calendar, the Yabad, and we are in the double 11s, 22, and so what a day today. Today's an amazing day. It's the contending of rods, but the word of the Lord to somebody today is tell them to go 
forward. Go forward. As a matter of fact, I want to bring that up and just kind of take a sneak peek at what that word forward is. Tell the children of Israel that they go forward. I mean, obviously, we know what that means, but it's the Nassau, the Nassau. And what that literally means properly is to pull up, especially the tent pins. Start on a journey. Start on a journey. Praise the Lord. That is a word for someone today. Gosh, it may be a word for a lot of people today. Start on a new journey. You know, it's time to lift up the tent pegs of where you've been hanging out, where you've been going, where you've been established, what you've been doing. And God is saying that you're living in a, a, a time of travel, a time of forward motion. We believe at New Y Ministries that we are a congregation of pioneers, that God will never allow us to stay stagnant. God will never allow us to stay still and just camp out around some traditional denominational uh, mindset. And so God is constantly shaking things up in our lives. And when we start getting that little bit of, well, let's hang out, it's comfortable, get at ease in Zion, he will shake things up one way or the other. And I believe God is saying today, on this 11th day of January, 2022, to the body of Christ, it is time to move forward. It is time to begin a journey. And I love that. Start on a journey and move forward. March on. You know, leave behind what you are familiar with. It's time to do it. Are you comfortable in your little nest? Get ready, because what did God do for Israel? He messed up their nest, and he messed it up for a reason, because they were not intended to stay in that nest. So whatever you're nesting in right now and you've been very comfortable with, don't be afraid. It's not a judgment. It is God helping you and I to get up, to get out, and to move on in the journey of life. Too many people are paralyzed in fear right now because of what they see going on around the world. But right now, for you and I, it should be the most incredible time because for us, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose and plan. Now, in this passage here in Exodus, this was when the Egyptians were coming upon them. They had no way out. And the Israelis are kind of, you know, they're terrified. They don't know what to do. And Moses is on his face, and the people are, you know, we brought us out here to die kind of thing. And God says, Moses, get off your face. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Start on your journey. But there's no way to start, Lord. Well, here, I'm going to make a way. Raise up your rod, and we're going to divide this Red Sea, and you're going to, you, that whole nation is going to go right through. So you say, well, I don't know how to start a journey. Well, lift up the rod of the Lord that's been given to you. This is the year of the rod, all right? So the rod of the wicked, the rod of the righteous. You have the rod of the Lord, the scepter of his kingdom. So raise it up over your circumstances and declare a new beginning, a season of new things, a journeying, going forward, looking into things you've never seen before, never known before. It is time for you in your life. You have so many breaths left in you, and you may as well live those breaths. Let that breath carry you into the destiny, into the calling into the purpose that God has for your life. There's nothing to be ashamed of. This is the gospel. Everything about God is moving forward. Everything. God is not a stagnant God. God is not stuck on a throne. We get this idea that Jesus is at the right hand of God in heaven, seated upon the throne. 
So he's been stuck for 2,000 years? He can't get up? Come on. It just means he's the established king. It doesn't mean he doesn't go out to battle. It doesn't mean he doesn't go out searching the universe. Come on. He's looking for you. He's looking at you. He wants to bring you into something more of him. And he wants to bring you deeper into the Father's heart. So we continue to go into the Father's heart through the Son. And this is a journey of a lifetime, folks. We've got so much time. You know, you could have been taken out, what, a year ago? You could have been taken out six months ago. You could have left this planet three months ago, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. You know that situation that should have took you out? Well, it didn't take you out. And God didn't preserve you so you could keep it safe in your little nest. He's like, no, I preserved your life because I want to bring you into destiny. I want to bring you on in your journey. Now, it is another way of saying stop delaying what God has for you to do. Stop delaying. The threefold purpose of the enemy beyond steal, kill, and destroy is delay, deceive, and distract. Don't let the devil delay you in the purpose of God, in the calling of God, in the destiny of God. Don't let him deceive you and don't let him distract you. Delay, deceive, distract. These are the works of the devil against the life of a believer. If I could just delay them, keep them holding back, just wait another day. Tomorrow I'll do it. Well, God is saying there is, this is not about tomorrow. Your journey begins right here, right now, at this moment. So get up, get out of that bed of depression, arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. It is time to arise. It is time to shine. It is time to move forward. Jesus said it another way. Let me read it the way Jesus said it, because for him, I'm going to go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, I'm going to begin in verse 57. This is Luke 9, 57. Jesus said, and it came to pass, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you whithersoever you go. I will follow you. Wherever you may. Remember that one? So this person says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Also, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home and my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord to to this message today, at least the part of it, is move forward and don't look back. Stop looking back. Your hand is to the plow. Don't look back. See, people wanted to go back. They wanted to be responsible. I got to go say goodbye to everybody. Or let me go bury my father. And Jesus is just so awesome. Let, your, let the dead bury the dead. But you go preach the kingdom. Don't, you know, don't, don't put your hand to this plow. And I got to go tell my friends goodbye. Don't worry about stuff like that. Leave that alone. You come and follow me. You have to move forward because that's a distraction to you. Because your friends, when you go back to say goodbye, are going to try to convince you that you're crazy for going anywhere. 
And at that moment of decision, when you know the right thing to do, if you hesitate, if you delay, it'll be years in some cases before you ever do anything. Right now, whatever it is that God has put in your heart to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. If it's really from the Lord, do it. If you have faith and you believe it's from the Lord, do it and then leave the results to God. But don't be delayed. Don't be distracted. Don't be deceived. Just do it. All right? So if you look back, then you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is always moving forward. Another way that Jesus said this is in Luke chapter 17. And in Luke chapter 17, we're going to pick it up right here in verse 26. Luke 17, 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, someone say amen. I believe that we're kind of seeing some similarities, right? So shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat. They drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which is be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember, remember, Lot's wife, okay? Jesus told us to remember something. I, I think we should. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. The time came for Lot and his family to leave Sodom, okay? And it was time. And, of course, Lot lingered all night long. They, I mean, they were having a hard time with this whole thing. But eventually they left, and God said, don't look back. Well, they were going. What had happened? Lot's wife turned around, and she looked back at what her heart was connected to. She looked back at her family, her sons-in-laws, perhaps. He, she looked back at her home. She looked back at her community where she grew up. Even though her husband's righteous soul was vexed day to day by the filthy conduct of the wicked, Mrs. Lot just continued. She, she had an affection there. She looked back. Now, Jesus says in the end times, in the last days, one of the things that you, one cannot afford to do is look back. And you have to make a decision. Either you are witnessing the signs of the times and you understand in our generation that we're a unique generation like no other generation in the history of the church age. We are the only generation that has witnessed a nation called Israel to be regathered after 1900 and some odd years of being scattered to the ends of the earth, and that in our generation, a generation being 70 years and 80 if by strength, okay, that's in the scriptures. I mean, there are different generations, a 20-year generation, a 40-year generation. There's a 70-year generation, an 80-year generation, a 100-year generation, 120. So you got to put things in perspective. But when it comes to where we are as 
a, a generation, we are in that Psalm generation where he talks about uh, you shall live 70 years and if by strength, 80. And so when you apply that to the birthing of Israel, it came alive again. It was born again. Israel was born again in the natural, if you will, being regathered as a nation in 1948. Well, that puts... Israel is 73 years old today, and in May, she'll be 74 years old. So in just a few months, Israel will will turn 74 years. Well, it's by the strength of God that she is. But we are witnessing in our generation, the generation of the fig tree, Israel, in Bible prophecy, represents a fig tree. Okay, even Jesus said, if this fig tree doesn't do anything, I'm going to curse it. It's not going to bear any fruit. And he was talking about the nation of Israel for rejecting the Messiah. And I think you know what I'm speaking of. What other generation in the history of the world has witnessed, in the church age, has witnessed a nation scattered and then regathered and now a fully functioning nation like Israel? No other generation. We're in the context of the 70 to 80 years. What other generation in the history of the church age, just start there, even though Daniel spoke about it thousands of years ago, we're over 2,000 right now, we're right at 2,000 in the church age, so go another 700 years prior to that or whatever Daniel was. So we're talking 25 to 3,000 years, 2,500 to 3,000 years ago, Daniel said, knowledge will increase. And when you put that together, it's technology. Look at our tech knowledge. Look at the increase, the exponential rise of knowledge during the church age, particularly. And here we are at the same time in our generation that Israel becomes a nation gathered together, just like it would when you see the fig tree put forth its branches, know that summer is nigh. So we see that the nation has has become, we're in the context of it. Now we have technology, or the knowledge shall be increased. And we have the exponential rise of technology, artificial intelligence, 5G towers. Uh, You know, you go on down the list. There's never been a generation like this. I mean, 30 years ago, there were no cell phones. Maybe 25 years ago, there were no cell phones. Um, You know, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have this in our generation. It's only in the last half of this generation that we've witnessed the exponential rise of technology. I mean, we've always had some, there's always been some technology, but nothing like we've seen the multiple, you know, exponential rise and the acceleration of the the things that exist today. I mean, this is another sign. And another thing that Daniel said would be happening in the last days, people would be flying or traveling all over the world. Well, not up until this generation. There were a few flights here and there, and with these little awkward planes it would take so long to get somewhere. But now we have people are flying all over the world like it's normal. When I was a kid, if I got it on an airplane, it was a big deal. Today, young kids are traveling back and forth. They get on planes like it's no big deal. Oh, just get on the plane. And, and that's amazing because these are prophetic signs to the uniqueness of our generation. And we're in it right now. And not only do we have these three major prophetic signs, of people traveling all over the world, the exponential rise of technology, and Israel becoming a nation. But we're seeing the prophetic word of God also be fulfilled where people are calling good evil, and they're calling evil good. 
They're calling light darkness and darkness light. And they're calling bitter sweet and sweet bitter. I mean, we live in a world where men are lovers of themselves. We live in a world where there's a lot of confusion right now in people's hearts and minds. There's a lot of fear. Uh, The Bible predicts a time where evil men will wax worse and worse. And we're seeing the worst in humanity, in in all the different realities that have been exposed to the eyes of the world. The shame of the nakedness is being exposed, and people aren't even blushing anymore. That's a prophetic sign. I mean, we're seeing the skirts of men's wickedness exposed, and it means nothing. People don't even blush. They don't gasp. They don't, I mean, my goodness, years ago, some, some of this stuff that comes out into the open, people would have been shocked. Nobody's shocked today. Nobody's shocked. It's a sign of the times. Everything the Bible talks about, massive earthquakes, fire, flood, hurricane, tornado, uh, tsunamis, I mean, whatever you want to put out there, multiplicity of it, intensification of it. I mean, it's just obvious that the earth is in turmoil and it's shaking, it's convulsing. And the sins of the nations of the earth that have shed the innocent blood en masse, hundreds of millions globally around the world, hundreds of millions of innocent babies' blood were shed. And men are marrying men, and women are... You know, if you would have told somebody this a generation ago, that there would be a time in America that people would be on these little cell phones, and uh, they'd be traveling in these high-powered jets, and men would be marrying men, and women would be marrying women, and men would be changing their bodies to women, and women would be changing their bodies to men, and we would be murdering little babies and shedding their blood in the womb of a woman and flushing the blood. I mean, if you would have told people this, in the 1940s, maybe the 50s, you know, they would have never believed it. Do you realize how fast we got here? And now we're in something where we've just had a global lockdown. Are you kidding me? Where we've witnessed how the wild man released Islam, Ishmael. The wild man is off the leash because it's being controlled by another power called Mystery Babylon the Great. And we've seen terrorism, the use of them for their own agenda so, I mean, we're living in this volatile world. We don't know what the next move is going to be. And we see wars and rumors of wars, and we see pestilence, and we see famine, and an economic imbalance right now, a transformation of global world powers and systems. Everything that people have talked about that was sci-fi years ago are now sitting here going, oh, okay, this is ready to be signed off on. Cashless society All transactions will be digital and monitored. You won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Well, what is the mark? Is it the vaccination? I don't know. So everybody's a little confused about that issue. Some people say, I know. And some people say, I don't know. And some people say, I think, I don't know. But nothing else. It's a sure sign of how this thing could work, how you won't be able to buy or sell, and what will stigmatize you and what will, you know, get you into a position of, you know, propaganda being used against your life because you don't cooperate with the world system. You know, today, there are all kinds of things happening. We're only in the 11th day of January, and Supreme Court is making decisions about forced vaccinations. And on the one hand, we're getting all this. It's not going to happen. These, these laws are being shut down. None of this is true. On the other hand, you know a tree by its fruit this is still a reality. 
And I would be very cautious to watch the next 90 days as we're moving forward in our preparations and doing what God says to do in our lives. Uh, Let me get you to an article here for just a moment. So remember Lot's wife. Don't put your hand to the plow and look back because you're not fit for the kingdom. So that means you're going forward. Remember to go forward. Start a new journey. Start on a journey. Pull up your tent pegs and begin to move on. Whatever that means to you before God, do it. Whatever that means before God for you, do it. Now, I had a very interesting thing happen this weekend where a gentleman came to our church, never met him before, he and his wife, and he came up to me, and I noticed that during the sermon on Sunday, he was very much in agreement to the things we were talking about. And this man was from Washington, the state of Washington, and he had been in some kind of uh, politics up there in Washington, and he knows some state assembly people that he mentioned he wanted to connect with me to tell about this story that's going on uh, in Washington state. And I want to share it with you. I want to share this with you. And... Let's see. Let's go. Here's the article. Here is the article. And this is what the man told me. So after my sermon on Sunday, I'm sitting behind, standing behind the pulpit. He comes up. We're talking. He says, let me tell you what's going on in Washington State. And so he begins to tell me, and he says, I want to hook you up with an assemblyman that can talk to you about this. And so I searched it out, and this is what he told me. Washington, the state of Washington, Considering law that would impose involuntary quarantine on persons suspected to be, quote-unquote, infected, exposed to, or contaminated. Now, here's the article. This is out of Olympia, Washington. Eyebrows have been raised in Washington state as a proposed piece of legislation could see individuals who have been exposed to COVID-19 and are unwilling to voluntarily adhere to a quarantine period. This could mean they will be involuntarily detained instead. Although the state's governor has said that most likely won't happen, but wouldn't rule it out in extreme circumstances. Now, uh, we're learning to get the language of people. Oh, we would never do that unless it really called for it. So they keep the provision on the books, right? Well, we're not going to do that. They got to, because when they get exposed, then they have all the people to, you know, to do damage control. No, it's not that. We'll never do that. It's not going to be that way. That's false information, blah, 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 blah. But just in case, we're going to leave it on the books. Now, the bill is called WAC 246-100-040. Now, if you want to write that down and look at it, I'll say it again. Capital WAC-246-100-040. Now, this is a bill that would amend the state's Communicable and Certain Other Diseases Act 
to include quarantine protocols. COVID-19 is not specifically mentioned in the text, but the wording of the legislation is clear what it pertains to, given the huge spike in COVID infections as of late due to the highly contagious Omicron variant. So the, my, my new friend who came up to me on Sunday told me, he said, what they're going to do is they're going to take an old AIDS bill. So there's legislation that was having to do with AIDS from way back when, which is over 20 years. And they had written legislation concerning infected people with AIDS and how they were going to take that legislation and simply put COVID-19 on it and everything it means. So let's go down just a little bit, take a look at what that actually means. Um, And here's a big quote, and this is part of the bill. At his or her sole discretion, a local health officer may issue an emergency detention order causing a person or group of persons to be immediately detained for purposes of isolation or quarantine. The proposed bill's text reads, a local health officer may invoke the powers of police officers, sheriffs, constables, and all other officers and employees of any political subdivisions within the jurisdiction of the health department to enforce immediately orders given to effectuate the purposes of this section. That's very much in the bill. So then in the bill, the WAC 246-100-040, this is called the Procedures for Isolation or Quarantine. And then they just marked out the key things. So I'm just going to read the key things rather than the whole thing. Number one, involuntary detention. I think uh, Djokovic, the number one tennis player in the world, was already in involuntary detention when he tried to fly into Australia um, not being vaccinated. They put him in a detention facility, a COVID detention, the number one player in the world, right? So this bill in Washington, involuntary detention, number two, that they highlighted, vaccination decontamination, okay? Uh, The next is suspected to be infected with or exposed to or contaminated. So in other words, if one is not vaccinated, if one has not been decontaminated by COVID-19, Um, If one has been suspected to be infected with COVID-19 or exposed to it or contaminated with it, and again, this goes all the way back to that old bill, the communicable disease, AIDS, HIV, but now it's for COVID. So if you've got it and you're unvaccinated, you're not decontaminated, according to them, a local health officer may invoke the powers of police. So in other words, an individual can exercise powers over a person or a group that they feel is contaminated, unvaccinated, a danger to society. Now, those that are trying to do the damage control and resist and fight against this are saying that's not it at all. And, in the, and when you listen to them, they literally say something, you know, I'm going to read it to you because I think it's a fair thing to do. 
So here's what they say in this article. The Washington Board of Health says they will not enact mandatory COVID-19 quarantine during Wednesday meeting, which is tomorrow. They're having this big meeting. So they said, this is, this is the alternative to the article, false claims. Now listen to how they write this, okay? False claims about the Washington Board of Health scheduled January 12th meeting began circulating on social media saying the board will use law enforcement to force people into quarantine or isolation if they are not vaccinated against COVID-19. Other similar claims about creating COVID-19 concentration camps were also made. None are true, they say. But listen, these claims started circulating the internet after the Washington Board of Health publishing their meeting agenda. The agenda said they would continue discussion about proposed changes to WAC 246-100. So WAC 246-100 talks about certain communicable diseases and STD modernization. The changes the Board of Health will be making to the law, the changes to the law, the old law, would be to remove HIV exceptionalism. No, we're not going to just focus on that. This isn't just about that. We're going to open this up to a plethora of other diseases. These changes would be in line with engrossed substitute House Bill 1551 or ESHB 1551, which passed in June 11, 2020. The board is required to make editorial changes and other changes specifically in reference to HIV and AIDS. All right, so this is where they're going. However, People focused on another section of the WAC. Oh, they shouldn't have done that, huh? Don't look at that other part. But it says, however, people focused on another section of the WAC 246-100, chapter 040. This chapter states, and they quote, a local health officer may issue an emergency detention order causing a person or group of persons to be immediately detained for purposes of isolation or quarantine, end of quote. However, they say, that is used as a last resort and only if the person or group of people are a danger to public health. That's them. So do you see how clever this is? They tell you, this ain't going to happen. That's false information, false claims. All we're doing is changing this part over here, uh, but it's still part of the entire bill the WAC bill, and the people are focusing on that, but we'll never use that unless we really have to. Do you see how deceptive it is? Do you see how this is how they move? They've got to show somebody, you know, this man just walked up, yes, uh, Sunday, and started sharing this information. Here it is, and I'm pretty sure we'll be talking to an assemblyman uh, from Washington about this and getting an even clearer Thing. But, you know, when you start reading this false claims, blah, 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 and then you listen to their own words that, however, that is used as a last resort. Yeah, but if it's in the bill, whose last resort are we talking about? We want these people vaccinated. They won't get vaccinated. They're going to be a problem for our society. They're dangerous. We need to take them. And he was telling me the other day, they will come into your home. They will arrest you. They will, they will be, there will be no search warrants. They have the authority just to say, you're an infectious 
individual to our society. So we're taking you without, and, and it's legal according to this bill in Washington. It's pretty intense. And then to hear them openly admit this is only used as a last resort. See, they don't deny it. They say it's false claims, but it's really not. And they don't even, they, they don't even deny it. It'll never be done. Hmm. So, how do, we, how do we look at both of these situations here and come up with God's telling his people, don't look back, get on with your journey, and I will remind everybody today, please, that you are still living in the Hebrew year according to Torah, not rabbinical thought. The rabbinical thought is that the new year happens in the fall, because of the, but it's only in the seventh month. When is a new year in the seventh month? Okay. So according to Torah, the book of Exodus chapter 12, the first month of the first year is in spring. Okay. This year, uh, the year will change to 5782 on April 2nd. Okay. April 2nd, Gregorian calendar, becomes the first day of the first month of the new year, 5782, which means we're still in 5781, according to Torah, the word of God. So what does the word of God say 5781 is? If you go to the Hebrew concordance and you type in the number 5781, what you're going to read, pack your bags. Ah, sounds like God's saying, get on with your journey. Get on with your journey. Take up your tent pegs. Get going. Get moving. Don't delay. Don't be distracted. Don't be deceived. God told you what to do. Get up and go. You have three months, less than three months now. You're talking about the rest of January, which we're already 11 days into it. Gives us about 20 days. And then you've got the rest of February and the rest of March. And then you're going to get to April 2nd. It's going to happen so quick. Now, what happens between now and then, there's going to be a lot going on. Designed specifically to create an atmosphere of delay, deceive, and distraction. You, God is telling you, cannot afford to be delayed, to be deceived, or be distracted about this issue. If the word go forward means pull up your tent pegs, start on a journey. That's what it means in the Hebrew. And God gave that. And you're living in the year 5781, pack your bags. It also means, 5781, affliction, tribulation, anguish. And you may say, you know what? I'm not going to listen to a bunch of Hebrew numbers. And even though it connects with that word and this word, and I see all these dots connecting, but I'm not into that. I'm not going to move by that. Okay. You don't have to. I'm talking to people that have been listening to these things for a long time. I'm showing you what they're doing in the state of Washington. We don't know what the next, I guess we're talking, gosh, I want to say about 80 80 days, the next 80 days, uh, 90 days would bring us to three full months. And so take the 11 away. So we're about 80 days, 80. We should start marking them down, 80 days away from stepping into a new environment, uh, a new season. So the big question is, Jesus said, and I want to quote his words because I think it's so important to do this. So Jesus said it this way in chapter 13, 
And in the very last verses, he's, he's talking about, let me make sure I have the exact place where I want to be. Where he is sharing about the signs, and I just I guess I'm just not going to find that right now, but ah, uh, bummer. So he's talking, and I love the way he does it in the book of Luke, because in the book of Luke, it's just a very clear, he's saying things like, uh, you could tell when it's going to rain. By looking at the clouds, you could tell when it's going to be a hot day by looking at the sky. He said, how is it that you cannot discern the times? Okay. And I wish I knew where that was because he, he said it so well. He said it so well. But anyways, Okay, do you discern the times? Can we look right now, because we're seeing signs, and yet we're not seeing the full weight of what those signs mean. Remember what Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, what did he say to do? He said, flee. Now, 5781, pack your bags. Affliction, tribulation, anguish. If I didn't preach that, what God has showed to me, I would have the blood on my hands. So I would rather say what I believe God has said and then lay it forth and let other people go to the Lord in prayer and examine what is being said and make a decision. Okay? And you know, we, we're, we're laying things forth as we believe God is showing them. And it just gets more profound to me every single day. But you're saying, okay, I hear this, but am I supposed to really upset my life right now? Am I really supposed to stir up my nest? Am I really supposed to pull up my tent pegs just because you're saying this? a great question. So we have to go back and say, well, who's saying this? Is this a Nostradamus prophecy? I got it in my brain. Or is it just the word of God keeps showing up over and over and over? Like today, 30 seconds before coming on this broadcast, the scripture came into my mind, tell them to go forward. Because I was looking at, remember Lot's wife, don't look back. And I remember I used to preach in a prison to these people in, from rehab and prison and I would tell them the story about Moses, go forward. You need to go forward in your life. And it came to me today. Now I just, and then I just said, well, let's look at the word forward. And it describes everything that we've been saying. So to me, it's just like it keeps connecting and growing and growing and growing. And I understand that still, does that mean, it, you know, this is the word of the Lord beyond the shadow of a doubt? Definitely God's word. It's definitely something he's showing, but people would sit back and say, well, do I really want to pull up my tent pegs? Do I really want to move forward into, uh, on a journey? Do I want to move out of the state that I live in? Do I want to move out of the community I live in? Do I want to leave this place here and go to this place here? Is it really time to get up and get out? Uh, you know, here we are in January 2022, and 
delay, deceive, and distract. These are the works of the devil. God's word is saying something. It's either the spirit of truth or it's deception itself. And the deception would be, listen, none of this is right. Everything's going to be all right. You don't have to move anywhere. You don't have to discomfort yourself at all because everything's going back to normal. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. There is no big bad devil coming. There is no great tribulation coming. These signs of the times, you've seen them. They've been around since the beginning of time. So this can't be true what this man is saying. Well, everything that I just said Actually, in the Bible says that's exactly what the mockers would say in the last days. These things have been around since the beginning of time. So it really does boil down to the Holy Spirit of truth speaking to us in our hearts. Not in our minds, not in our intellect, not in our emotions, not in our feelings, not in our reasoning faculty, not in our logic. Do it that way. It has to be something you know. The Holy Spirit speaks to the knower inside of us. That's our spirit. That's where we know things. Unfortunately, we don't live much out of the knowing because we, we, we kind of are distracted by what our logic tells us, what our desires tell us, what our uh, intellect tells us, what the world around us, the information we see, and we live out of that. But really, the people that are going to experience God's great success in the season will be those who are led by the Spirit, by the knower. If you don't know as a Christian right now what you're seeing in this world, and you forget that you were just locked down for, you know, a whole year, that you forget that an election was stolen, that they have uh, literally removed the rightful president and put in a man from his basement that won and is being controlled by the puppeteers. If you don't see what is happening and you can't discern that, and you're going to live out of... So it's quite interesting, isn't it? It's quite interesting. I love bringing guests onto my program. I love it. I love having, I want, to, I want to hear what they have to say. And yet I've come to a conclusion that I could bring the most incredible people, and, and they're out there on podcasts, everywhere, to come and tell us the, what they believe and what they say. People go, oh, man, that's amazing. Oh, that was, uh, you know, they just get involved. But people still don't react or respond to what they're hearing. Even though they say, yep, it's coming. Yep, it's coming. And yet they are not really moving with the spirit because they're not connected to the knower. Because sometimes when you connect to the knower, it discomforts everything. The things that we know to do and don't do, to us that's sin. To him who knows to do and doesn't do. That means when you know the right thing to do. Now, some Christians claim, well, I don't know. One of the laziest inactive, inoperable, idle words that every man will be judged for, I don't know, is what they're really saying is, I don't want to do what I know to do. 
I really don't want to do what I know is right to do. And either they, they don't want to do it because they're not um, 100% sure, they're double-minded, they don't really see the signs, they don't really look. Now, if Jesus or the apostles were here today, right, Peter, Paul, James, all the apostles, Jesus, and Jesus was telling us, you're living in a world right now, and, and, and I, I'm telling you, all these things that you see going on around you, what do they mean to you? What do they mean to you personally? And each person has to say, well, they don't mean anything to me. The world is a sin-sick world. I've been born again. I'm living my, you know, my life the best way I know how to do it. I am blessed. I enjoy my life or, you know, my needs are met at least. I go to church. I have a good family. Uh, I live in a particular area. Um, I mean, there's bad stuff going on, but there was bad stuff in World War II. There was bad stuff in World War I. Uh, The bubonic plague killed 50 million people. The Bolshevik Revolution killed another 75 million. Um, You know, there's been really bad days in the world. And so I'm here in my generation and, and I, you know, just all that I see doesn't move me. doesn't mean anything to me. I'm just going to stay put and live my life. I haven't been hauled off into prison. Uh, Nobody's come knocking on my door, arresting me in the middle of the night. Um, I've always had food on my table in my cupboards. I've got my needs met. I've got a job. Got a family. I'm raising up my family. I'm training my children. Um, I've just got to send them to school. I've got to, you know, just I've just got to live. And if I only look at this gloomy atmosphere of the signs of the times and all these things, and you're talking about Israel becoming a nation and technology exploding, yeah, so okay, I, that's pretty interesting, but. I want to be told how to raise my children. I want to be told how to love my spouse. I want to be told how to, um, you know, to be a good steward. I want to be taught how to, you know, I want the Bible to teach me how to become, you know, more like Jesus. I want to become more, you know, effective, and I want to be a better witness, and I want to have my salt to be salt and my light to be light, and I don't want to be double-minded or confused. And um, I do recognize this, but it doesn't move me to change or to pick up my tent pegs and move on and get prepared and move into an ark and get ready to, you know, destabilize my whole life. I'm pretty established right now. That's a tough place to be because everything that I just said is something we all desire. And it's something we've been working on for years, being better salt, being better light, uh, uh, you know, just learning how to be good stewards, be faithful, forgive, love, change, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's, always part of it, but the only thing that's happening with some people in our generation is that they are taking the words of Jesus and the apostles literally because they're seeing the signs that they were talking about, and they're saying, okay, here they are. How are you going to respond? And if you don't respond at all, what are you saying? I get the other side, family, children, but I think some people are looking going, yeah, I'm doing that, but this is getting a little weird. Gee, I hope that goes away. And then the word of God kind of explains to us that's not going away. It's not going away. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Only God knows what tomorrow is going to bring. But he did tell us 
pay attention to the signs. When you see these things begin to come to pass, are we seeing the things that Jesus said would come to pass? Have they begun? And I think a lot of people in every denomination, whether you believe in the preacher of rapture or not, whatever your doctrine is, I think a lot of people are looking at this moment going, this is different. And the only thing is, is a response. You see, if you believe in the preacher of rapture doctrine, you're not going to respond by going and getting food and water and supplies and medical things and uprooting your life and moving to a place. You believe the rapture is going to happen any second now. You just believe that you're going to disappear. The more we study the word, that doesn't exist. That doctrine just simply doesn't exist. So if you're not preparing, and yet you know, it's, you, you can feel it, you know it, but you don't want to be discomforted by it, and you have a belief system that says you won't be here because you're going to be vanishing, what happens when you don't vanish? And you didn't do what Jesus said to do. When you see these things begin to come to pass, like the days of Noah, prepare your ark. You know, someone once told me, well, the Bible says that Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, put on, or any of that. I'll take care of everything. I totally agree. He's done that in my life. I sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything I've ever needed has been added to my life. Everything. Everything. Nothing lacking. But what I do with what he gave me is another story. He tells me to be a good steward of what I have, so I prepare. I'm not worried about anything. Honest to God, I'm not worried about eating, drinking, supplies. Why? Because I've stewarded what God has given me just for me and my family and those that are around my life. So I don't use that Bible verse as an excuse not to prepare. Do not worry about your life. I don't. But it did, I didn't use that as an excuse not to prepare I didn't use that as an excuse not to leave San Diego, California. We left San Diego, California 12 years ago and three months. <laughs> so we left 12 years ago, beautiful San Diego, California, because we knew these things. We came here. We showed up into a place. My, my wife, Patricia, when I said we're going to Arkansas, she said, where's that? No, we didn't know. The only person I ever knew here was my Uncle Paul, my mom's brother, lived on Holiday Island. When I came here to preach one time, I was told, go look him up, and I did, and we had a blast. And God began to move and told a man in Louisiana to tell me, that's where you need to be. And so we listened, and we moved. We uprooted our tent pegs. We came here, and then we found out that Corey Ten Boone the woman that was in the Nazi concentration camp was flying over this region. And I just had this confirmed last night. This is true. Sent it to Paul Crouch from TBN when he was alive. She was flying over the region. She woke up. She said, where are we? They wound up telling her over Northwest Arkansas. She said, it'll be a refuge. In the last days, I saw angels with unsheathed swords. Then while we were here, we had all these newspaper articles being given to us, one after another, about all the prophetic words about Northwest Arkansas. So we knew by many signs the day we showed up here, the woman that I met years earlier and her husband playing the piano and the violin 
meeting us at the Wall Star, Walmart Shopping Center. I, the, the, the stories are so amazing, it's impossible that it's not God. You'd have to have impossible, faith for impossible to think that we came here by an accident or by the whim or by imagination. It was so signatured by God for us, okay, but we were willing to go. I am confident I could have ignored the unction and the knowing that I had, especially what people are actually telling me, giving me, I could have resisted every bit of it to stay comfortable in San Diego. I had a great life in San Diego, fabulous life in San Diego. Never had to deal with chiggers, never had to deal with, uh, gosh, what else they have? Ticks. And, you know, golly, for goodness sake, we heard about snakes and everything in the waters here, Arkansas. So had a wonderful life. But I never, because I knew something, I knew it inside of me that it was God. I did it. My family, beginning with my wife, Patricia, they were willing to come. That was another sign. And so my father-in-law, Mr. B, 92 years old at the time, let's go. We left. We've been here for 12 years. Do we regret it? Not even a smidgen, not even a sniffle of regret. God is all over what we've done. But you have to be willing to go. See, I was told I was a pioneer way before I made this move. So God was already preparing me for a pioneering moment to leave California to come to Northwest Arkansas. I've got the best friends that I've ever had in my life right here in Northwest Arkansas. All of our family, except for my one daughter and my granddaughter, are here. Everybody's here. What God has done is amazing. He's got to make the move. Oh, why would I leave beautiful San Diego to come to Northwest Arkansas? Because God has a plan. God has a plan. How much time do we have left? Well, the next three months up until April 2nd, I just think is going to tell us everything. We're going to find out a lot in the next several months. We're going to find out a lot. And I have a belief, and I wrote it, and I shared it in the fear of the Lord that there be four major shifts in the year 2022. And that the first shift would be an urgent desire from the president and all those around him, or the man they call the president and all around him, an urgency to get everybody vaccinated so that we can get on to normal. And that there would be people that would resist and that they would begin to get persecuted in the second shift. And then beyond the mild persecution, uh, they would begin to get harassed through propaganda and stigmatization. People would be stigmatized for not going along with the order of things. And that by the fourth shift from October to December, we would see a collapse in our nation. That's what I believe. I also believe that God told me that. I believe that. But I also believe that there are incredible shifts in the economy of the kingdom of heaven as well. You know, one of the things I found out when I left San Diego and that wonderful life I had and came here, what God did in my life since I've been here was exponentially beyond what I had in California. I he just did amazing things in my life here. You got to go with the knower. I don't want to tap into the knower. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't, if I, if I, gosh, 
It's like Jesus telling the rich young ruler, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. No, I don't want to hear that. Yet he's asking the question, what must I do to be saved? And after, after all the talk, he says, go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me and your treasures will be in heaven. And he went away grieved because he had much wealth. It's sometimes we don't want to hear what appears to be uncomfortable. I got to give up all my wealth. You want me to go and sell what I have and give it to the poor? And you want me to follow you and trust you that this somehow is going to be in a heavenly reward? Well, in a temporary world with a natural thinking mind, that's a really bad deal giving up everything you have. But in an eternal, spiritual-minded thing where the master's telling you, do that, come follow me, you'll have treasures in heaven. That's like, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. Spiritually minded. Jesus told me to do that. It's got to be good. But it doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good to the natural man. So sometimes people don't want to go and follow their knower. They want to follow their senses. They want to follow the money. They want to follow the luxury, the ease. They want to follow what, you know, they want. And um, they may have a deep nagging. And either they're just not paying attention or they stop paying attention for so long it's not even there anymore, uh, which is dangerous. That means there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit. A nagging reality. You see, I, I, because we did what we did, and I know that our life is in God's hands, that we're not standing because of what we've done to prepare for these times, but I could go out and live the most abundant life right now without any fear. I go anywhere in the world God wants me to go, do anything God says to do, and enjoy my life fully because I obeyed 12 years ago. I did what I was supposed to do. Now I'm not hurrying, rushing, wondering, worrying. None of those things exist. I just want to be effective in my ministry. I want to preach the gospel. I want to equip people and tell them to prepare. And you say, okay, well, where does this lead us to today? Well, what I'd like to do right now is um, open up the telephone lines. So we've got a couple of great questions going on over here. I want to open the telephone lines up this morning. The number to call, 818-369-0326. And I'm saying good morning to Charlotte Gotch. You're back on the top, Charlotte. God bless you, and welcome to the broadcast. Autumn Nichols is with us. This is my word this morning. Praise the Lord. I pray that you have an unction from the Holy Spirit with the word. Pastor Melissa Fletcher with us this morning. Good morning, church. Uh, we have somebody there that, uh, ooh, okay, don't know what that means. Terry Jean, good morning. McDonald's in Israel denies service if don't have a vax card. Signs of the times. Yeah, it's getting that way all over the world. It's another sign. Uh, Autumn Nichols, just two weeks, too slow the spread, LOL. Just two weeks, just slow the spread. Two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. I'm missing something on that, Autumn. Uh, I will get it, though. Pat, David Ellison, good morning. Jerry Raines, good morning, David. God bless you. Jerry Raines is saying, so what do we do? What do we do? Well, I can tell you what I did and what we continue to do. But I hear God saying today, move forward in what you know God has called you to do. If you don't know what God has called you to do, you're, you're kind of in a vulnerable position because that means somebody's going to tell you what to do, which is always suspect, right? 
You know, I love Samuel the prophet. And I'll tell you why I love Samuel the prophet. Samuel was one of those guys where the Bible says not one word out of his mouth fell to the ground. Showed up somewhere, the whole nation of Israel said, oh, my God, are you here for good or for bad? Because whatever you say is going to happen. That's really cool. We have something even better than Samuel. If we're truly born again, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus and the Father, is to guide us into all truth. He is going to teach us, Jesus said. He comforts us. He strengthens us. He reveals to us things that are coming. He guides us. This, the Holy Spirit is in you. And when you have relationship with the Holy Spirit, he fills your knower, the knowing part of you, not the psyche, suki, psychological part of you, of human, human reason and intellect and knowledge, logic. No, he goes into your born-again spirit and he imparts revelation. He imparts knowledge. He imparts wisdom. He imparts prophecy. He imparts to us and guides us and directs us. And the more we are familiar with the Holy Spirit, the more we trust that what we're knowing is the right thing to do, now we respond. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're waiting for a Samuel to come. We're waiting for a Jeremiah to come. We're waiting for an Isaiah to come, or an Ezekiel to come, or an Obadiah to come, or a Nahum, or a Micah, or a Joel. And we go on down the list, and we're waiting for some man to tell us what to do. You have the Word of God. You have the Word of God. I'm saying what I believe God is telling me to say, but you have to have a knowing in your spirit, because if you follow a man in these very critical areas, things could break down. But if you don't follow the Holy Spirit, it could be critical. Critical. What does this mean? Well, I'm speaking. Here's what I've learned. See, I used to, and I still do, when I was a young Christian, I'm 40 years into this now. Okay, in March, I will be 40 years old in the kingdom of God. 40 years since I accepted Christ into my heart. In March of 1980-something, when I was 19 years old, whenever that was. So when I was in church, my pastor, which was a true man of God, I was so involved in studying the word, and then when I would show up at church when he would preach, confirmation, 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 all I would hear is confirmations of everything I've been studying. He would just reiterate without any communications, just Holy Spirit. So what I'm thinking is, well, I'm ministering. If you have been in communication with the Holy Spirit and you have been studying the word of God and you have been going into your prayer closet asking God, what am I supposed to do? What? And then while I'm speaking, if there's something resonating with you in the spirit, there's, a, there's an agreement, there's a conviction, there's an inspiration, there's something in the knower. Well, this is a witness. This is good what to do. I tell you what Jesus told you to do. Prepare. Get food. Get water. Be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. Be a part of a community, a community of fellowship, or have fellowship, break bread with like-minded people. 
Don't get involved with people that are not like-minded. Make sure that you're in a group of like-minded people that study the word of God and could hold each other accountable. Forgo legalism and religion and get into accountability and divine order. You know, there's always the counterfeit. Legalism, religion. We hate that. So, but we ignore divine order and accountability. You've got to have that. And so if you're not part of an ecclesia, if you don't have a pastor, if you don't have prophets and apostles and teachers and evangelists around your life in the community of believers, if you're not in Bible study during the week, if you're not breaking bread, if you're not asking questions, what are you, what, what are you doing? What will you know? You must have a very intimate personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if that were the case, you wouldn't be asking, well, what do we do now? The Word of God tells you what to do. You have to figure that out for yourself. I can only tell you what we've done and what God tells me to tell people to do. And I show them in the Word of God and we look at the signs of the times and then we make a decision. Should I do this or not? If you regret, now again, 12 years ago when we left San Diego, have we ever regretted it? And the answer is absolutely zero, not once. Have we ever regretted moving out of San Diego to Arkansas? Never once. So you have to make decisions of what you're going to do, how you, how you hear the word of God. And you, if, if you say, I don't hear God saying anything, then don't do anything. If this message does not resonate with you. See, I've known people that they're into confrontation. So you tell something, and for whatever reason, psychologically, they want to wrestle with or argue with. And, well, you could be wrong, or you've been wrong, or this is this, and that's that. That's why you have a responsibility not to just confront, because the Bible says do not despise prophesying. In other words, listen and, and, and then bring what you're listening and hearing to the Lord in prayer and ask him. The Bereans used to do that. The Bereans said, all right, we heard what he said, but let's go and really search out the matter, not just reject what we're hearing because it's unfamiliar to us. Let's search it out. It's very, very late in my understanding. It's very, very late. I think what happened to this world in the last year and a half or two years happened so fast. And I, I just feel in people's minds somehow they don't even acknowledge what they just went through. They just kind of black out somehow. And I don't know if that's a gift from God or just willing ignorance. It's one or the other. Prepare. Uh, I'm hearing Autumn, the lie they told us two years ago, two weeks to slow the spread. Yeah, that hasn't, that's not going to happen. You're right on there, Autumn. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Melissa Fletcher says, this is such a timely and great message. God is on the move, but we will need his calling. We need to quit standing on the edge of the promised land, looking over our shoulder at the wilderness. Step out in faith. That's the message. That's what God is saying today. What do you know? I want to start this way. Let me just begin here. Every person listening, watching this program right now, anywhere in the world, do you have an ecclesia that you belong to? Now, what does that actually mean? That means, are you connected to organic people, not an institution, not a traditional religious environment? Are you connected to people organically, born-again Christians? Okay? Do you have ecclesia? Do you have koinonia? Do you have fellowship with the body of Christ? And in that koinonia, in that fellowship, 
do you serve as an integral part of that body? Because we're all members of the body of Christ. We have local body, right? But we have, it's all part of the corporate, the eternal body of Christ. There's only one body of Christ, and we're all somewhere in that. Big churches connected maybe to one, one tiny organ. We all are to be fit by the Holy Spirit. Are you in an ecclesia? Do you have a, an apostle or a pastor in your life that you are submitted to willingly? Have you willingly submitted to the ministry gifts that are to be laboring in your life do you have that? Are you being taught in Bible studies during the week? Do you have access to a shepherd, a pastor who, who can counsel you and get into your heart and begin to deal with the internal issues of salvation to get cleaned up before the Lord? Are you being washed in the water of the word of God? Are, are, you, are you established in the grace of God? The incredible grace of Almighty God. Do you understand it properly? Do you know what it means? Are you being taught? Because if that's not a reality in your life, I would say that's where you need to, that's where you need to begin. Well, I live in a region. There's nobody that's like-minded with me. There's nobody that's preparing. They all believe this. They all believe that. A friend once told me many, many years ago, on radio, he said, if you find a body of believers that are like-minded and where the word of God is being taught and where the word of God is feeding people, he said, if you live 3,000 miles away, you should pack up everything you've got and you should go to where the word of the Lord is. You should find a place to worship. Now, maybe it doesn't have to be 3,000 miles away for you. Maybe it's 30 miles away. Maybe it's three miles away. You need to find a place because you've been designed to be a member of a body. And if you don't function in a local assembly, you can't. You, you, you don't know what your calling is. You'll never be able to serve the body of Christ properly. <clears throat> the body of Christ has been designed by God to function a very specific way. 818 Press 1 on your dial pad. We'll bring you right into the conversation. I've got about 15 minutes left in the broadcast. So God is saying today, move forward. Pack up your bags. Get to wherever it is that he revealed to you. Whatever you know to do, do it as unto the Lord, and don't look back. Could this be a call to people who are looking at the signs of the times and are agreeing it's time to move on in my journey? Maybe that doesn't even mean ge geographically. Maybe it has nothing to do with a geographical leaving. Maybe it's leaving behind the old territory that you've been, you know, occupied in. Maybe it's uh, the old territory of um, your thinking. Maybe you're thinking a certain way. Maybe it's time to leave behind uh, relationships 
that are no longer healthy for you. They no longer are edifying you. You need to move on into relationship. Now, I'm not talking about husbands and wives and families here. I'm talking about relationships with people that are pulling you down or holding you back or are, you know, just in your way. Uh, they're, they're causing, you know, angst inside of your spirit and, and they're just not healthy for you. They're toxic to your environment. You got to move on sometimes. You just got to, you got to go on. You got to get away from people that aren't going the same way you're going. And this, this is a reality. This is something that's very real. So maybe it's not just geographical. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe you got some emotional ties and you need to go on from them. You need to leave some things behind. God will show you what you need to do. God will show you what you need to do. Autumn Nichols says, how it was in the Old Testament when the fire of God moves. Move. That's right. When the cloud moved by day, they moved. When the fire moved by night, they moved. But we do hear in the spirit, move forward. Tell the people of Israel to move forward forward. This is not a year to stay back. You'll, you'll miss it. You'll be left behind. You'll stagnate. You'll die in that place. Move forward. Become energetic. Oh, the people I hang out with, they're so unenergetic. Energize them, for goodness sake, as a member of the body of Christ. You got to do it. Uh, we do it every week. You know, we step into environments and they're kind of heavy. You got to labor through. You got to break through. You got to burst through. You got to drag people sometimes out of their own self and get them into something of God to create environments and atmospheres. You got to do it, man, because if everybody just stops even pushing forward, you'll die in that place. And I don't know about you, but I'm not, after 40 years, willing to sit down and die in the wilderness. No, there's something before us that is very rich and very beautiful and very good. And it's all about preparing to go through some things, go through some things, get a stronger mind, know who we are, overcome the battles, get the victories. God always causes us to triumph. We know the scriptures. We've got these down in us. We know we never lose. No matter how difficult things appear to be at some point, we never lose the battle because it's not our battle. It's the Lord's battle, and it's our victory. We never give up. We never give in. We never go back. We never stop, ever. We are moving on into eternity, and the day is going to come that we're going to be passing the veil of humanity and flesh into the very spirit of God. I'm hoping that while we're alive and remaining, that we're going to have experiences with God. I am believing that there is going to be an outbreak of the Holy Spirit to such a degree that we're going to be dancing upon the mountaintops, riding upon the high places of the earth, walking in our destiny, accessing the kingdom of heaven, going before the throne of God, seeing the angels of God, moving into a supernatural season. I am, I am so absolutely convinced of that. What's it going to take to get there? Well, I, I just refuse to try to do it in my strength. I can't. But I believe it and I have faith. And if I need to fast a little bit, so be it. If I need to pray a little more, so be it. Study a little more, so be it. Whatever. That's not a strenuous thing and a negative thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be strenuous about. 
10 minutes to go, 10 minutes to go. So Washington State, I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. I don't know what the next big news headliner out of the news is going to be. The bottom line to everything, and and I've heard this a couple of times, and I don't want it to sound generic, get so close to Jesus Christ. Get so close to his heart that you could hear his heart beat. Like John in the Last Supper, he leaned his head on his bosom and he heard his heart beat. Get your ear to the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. Get close to him. He's not asking for your perfection. He's not asking for anything but for you to draw near to him. And he says, I'll draw near to you. Snuggle into him. Get at his leg and purr until he puts you into his bosom and holds you close to his heart. He loves you. He loves you. He's your shepherd. And let him do what shepherds do. Let him heal you. Let him comfort you. Let him just smile at you and, and, and just laud you with his grace and mercy and love. Experience God in your life, just the, the free will love of God, not the technical, just relationally. I know we're to love God too, but it's he loved us first. So experience the love that Christ has for you, that he literally died for you, shed his blood for you, went to the cross for you, experienced the whipping post for you. 39 stripes on his back. They whipped him to shreds for you. They took the hairs of his face and his beard and they plucked him out with their hands. He did this for you. The prophet Isaiah said he was unrecognizable, but he's not dead anymore. He is a living shepherd now. He's the living Messiah. And he's available. When you call on his name, he's there. Call on his name. Say, what do you want me to do? I'm on this earth. What do you want me to do? You're my shepherd. And he's just going to tell you one thing. Follow me. Say, well, where are you going? It doesn't matter. I will follow you wherever you go. Because I don't want to be next to anybody but you. And what you have, if you have a bunch of people that feel that same way, you got a nucleus of brethren around the Lord saying, I don't want to be out there. You know, I want to be right there. I want to be right next to him. I don't want to be far away from him. I don't want to be outside and doing my, you know, I want to be right there, right in the center of what he's doing. And I don't have to be a politician, a pastor, a prophet, a priest, a king. I could just be me. And know that he died for me. A nobody, a nothing. He did it for me. He loves me, freely loves me, and I just want to get into love. I want to, I want to dwell in love. <clears throat> I shared with our Ecclesia last weekend, <clears throat> having just turned 59 years old, had a cough and sniffles, and this guy called me up, and I told him I just wasn't feeling well. So I canceled something out, 
He says, oh, I'm so sorry you got the COVID. I said, I don't, I don't have the COVID. You know, I've been around for 59 years. I've had a cough before. I've had stuffy head before, stuffy nose. I didn't need anybody to tell me to put on a mask. My parents taught me as a little boy, cover your mouth when you cough. You know, if you sneeze, cover your mouth. I don't need the government to tell me how to live. And just because I have a cough or sniffles or a raspy throat, even a flu or a cold or pneumonia, which I had at 14, I wasn't worried about dying. Oh, you got it. I don't have anything. Got a little something going on in my body. I've had it before. This fear of COVID is a disease. It is a virus that some man I've never met before in my life that I had to cancel out. He said, I'm so sorry you got the COVID. I don't have the COVID. I don't know what you're talking about. I've had what I've had since I've 59 years on this earth I've had before. So, all right. I think that's it. I've given plenty of opportunity for phone calls to come in. Please continue to pray for Brian and Kathy, our missionary friends that are now in Hawaii. Pray for them. Heard a great report from Pastor Jeff Bass and his wife, Dee. He's doing much better. I've been talking a little bit to Pastor Kevin Honeycutt. He's doing better. Nancy was doing a little bit better. I need another report there. We need to hear how they're doing. Shared on Sunday to the men of God, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, fight for your families, fight for your children, fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives. Fight, men of God. Woman, thou art loosed. We prayed about that from your infirmity. Don't bow down anymore to those infirmities. We got into that. So what more can we say? Just keep praying for people. Ask the Holy Spirit. And again, ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Ask God. What do I do with what I'm hearing? What do I do with this information? What do I do? Here's my life. You've got to stand totally surrendered to God. Why not? I mean, you can't save your life. Nobody's going to save their life. None of us can save our lives. I'm going to go on for 100 years. You can't do that. Stand just before the eternal king. And surrender. Surrender. Yeah, but I've got so much, the rich young ruler. Surrender. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. It's only going to be great if you do what he says to do. It's only going to be great. It's only going to be great if you do what God tells you to do. So having said that, beloved brethren, I wish you a great and super blessed day. And we'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing, with bells on. And I think that's it. I think that's it. It's been an honor to be with you today. Remember, by the way, for those of you who don't know this, you could actually go to Omega Radio when I'm done here. Go to omegaradio.org. And you'll be able to hear our 24-7 radio stations. Glinda Lomax is on there a lot. She has a lot of messages, a lot of great things to share. Remember to follow that. Got some great music out there now. And I'm going to leave you with a song. If you want to hear something great, 
let's do this. I want to play for you a song that has everything to do with what we have been talking about today. Is that okay? So I want to bring you to, um, if you'll go there, all I got to do is find, there it is. I love this. I'm going to leave you with a great song. And I'm going to put it up there. And I'm going to just pause it for a moment. Now, I got to do it. I'm going to go here. Uh-oh, i got to cancel that. So I'm going to leave you with a song that describes everything we talked about today. And I pray that you'll be blessed by it. Um, I think you go like that. There it is. Okay, ready to go? This is called Moving Forward. And I think you're going to like it. You can hear it. I'll play it right now. But you can hear it on OmegaRadio.org. It's happening right now. I'm Pastor Vince. We'll see you soon. Shalom and God bless you. And I'm going to have to say over here for just a moment, remember, OmegaRadio.org, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Shalom, everybody. <laughs>